Welcome to Quantum Magazine Science Podcast. Come for the science, stay for the stories. For news, interviews, videos, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org. This week, a behavioral difference between neutrinos and antineutrinos may hint at why the universe has more matter than antimatter. In an underground observatory in Japan 18 years ago, neutrinos were first seen oscillating from one flavor to another. It was a landmark discovery that earned two physicists the 2015 Nobel Prize. Now, in that same observatory, a tiny anomaly has surfaced in neutrino oscillations. It could be the key to unlocking one of the biggest mysteries in physics. Why does matter dominate over antimatter in the universe? The anomaly was detected by the T2K experiment. It's not distinct enough yet for scientists to be sure of, but Hirohiso Tanaka, a member of the T2K team, says this and the findings of the two related experiments are all pointing in the same direction. The team presented their results to a packed audience in London in July. Werner Rodiohan, a neutrino specialist at the Max Planck Institute for Nuclear Physics, was not involved in the T2K experiment. He says that although a full proof will take more time, he and many other outside scientists feel there is something real there. The long-standing puzzle to solve is, why are we and everything we see made of matter? Why does anything, matter or antimatter, exist at all? The reigning laws of particle physics, known as the standard model, treat matter and antimatter nearly the same. They respect charge parity, or CP, symmetry. For every particle decay that produces a negatively charged electron, for example, the mirror image decay producing a positively charged anti-electron occurs at the same rate. But this can't be the whole story. If equal amounts of matter and antimatter were produced during the Big Bang, equal amounts should have existed shortly afterwards. And since matter and antimatter destroy each other upon contact, such a situation would have led to the total destruction of both. The result would have been an empty cosmos. Somehow, significantly, more matter than antimatter must have been created. Only this could explain how a matter surplus survived the destruction and now fills the universe. The question is, what CP-violating process beyond the standard model favored the production of matter over antimatter? Many physicists suspect that the answer lies with neutrinos. These are ultra-elusive, pervasive particles, Trillions of them pass unfelt through your body each second. Starting in 2010, scientists with the T2K experiment generated beams of neutrinos or antineutrinos in Tokai, Japan. They aimed them toward the Super Kamiokande Neutrino Observatory. The observatory is a sensor-lined tank of 50,000 tons of pure water about 200 miles away. The particles generated detectable flashes of radiation when they interacted with atoms inside the water tank. Detecting a difference in the behavior of neutrinos and antineutrinos would provide an important clue about the prevalence of matter over antimatter, and it could perhaps open up a route beyond the standard model to a more complete theory of nature. The strange properties of neutrinos already provide a possible outline of that fuller story. In 1998, President Bill Clinton said the discovery of neutrino oscillations 
could change our most fundamental theories, from the nature of the smallest subatomic particles to how the universe itself works. Neutrino oscillations defy the standard model's prediction that the particles are massless, like photons. In order for neutrinos to oscillate, each of their three possible flavors, electron, muon, and tau, must be a quantum mechanical mixture or superposition of three possible masses. Quantum superpositions evolve over time, so a neutrino might start out with its three mass components, giving it pure muon flavor. But as the components evolve at different rates, electron flavor gradually enters the mixture. So the neutrino will have some probability of being measured as an electron neutrino. There's no mechanism within the standard model by which neutrinos might acquire their tiny non-zero masses. We also don't know why all neutrinos are left-handed, meaning they spin clockwise with respect to their direction of motion. All antineutrinos are right-handed, spinning counterclockwise. Experts overwhelmingly favor a double-duty explanation of neutrino mass and single-handedness called the seesaw mechanism. In the seesaw mechanism, the known, lightweight, left-handed neutrinos have much heavier right-handed counterparts, and the known antineutrinos likewise have super-heavy left-handed counterparts. For the seesaw explanation to work, the neutrinos and the antineutrinos on each side of the seesaw must actually be the same particle except for their opposite-handedness. Many experiments are now hunting for an extremely rare radioactive decay that would confirm this nature of neutrinos and the logic of the seesaw mechanism. If the theory is correct, then the heavy neutrinos and antineutrinos would have populated the hot young universe, and they would have since decayed. Physicists wonder if their decays might have produced the matter-antimatter asymmetry. This is the question that the T2K experiment might be starting to answer, and much sooner than expected. There's good reason to think that neutrinos violate CP symmetry. The one established instance of CP violation in the laws of physics arises among the quarks. These are the building blocks of protons and neutrons. Their flavor mixing is described by a mathematical matrix similar to the one of neutrino mixing. In the quark case, though, the value of a numerical factor in the matrix that introduces a difference between quarks and antiquarks is very small. Quarks and antiquarks behave far too symmetrically to account for the universe's matter-antimatter imbalance. But the neutrino mixing matrix comes with its own factor that allows neutrinos and antineutrinos to violate CP symmetry. If the lightweight neutrinos and antineutrinos violate CP symmetry, then the hypothetical heavy neutrinos and antineutrinos must as well. Their asymmetric decays in the early universe could easily have produced the universe's surplus of matter. Neil Weiner, a theoretical physicist at NYU, says, discovering CP violation among the lightweight neutrinos will boost that general framework. But the question is, how large will the CP violation factor be? Patricia Volley, a physicist at William & Mary, says scientists feared that it would be so small that the current generation of experiments wouldn't detect any difference between neutrinos and antineutrinos' behavior. But she says it's starting to look like maybe they'll be lucky. To search for CP violation, the T2K scientists looked for evidence that neutrinos and antineutrinos 
oscillated between muon and electron flavors with unequal probabilities as they traveled between tokai and kamioka. The amount of CP violation once again works like a seesaw. The rate of muon to electron neutrino conversions is on one side, and the corresponding antineutrino conversions are on the other. The larger the value of the factor in the matrix, the greater the seesaw's tilt. Hirohiso Tanaka, a member of the T2K team, says if the seesaw is balanced, meaning CP symmetry is perfectly respected, then the scientists would expect to detect roughly 23 electron neutrino candidates and 7 electron antineutrino candidates in Kamioka. The numbers are unequal because neutrinos and antineutrinos are produced and detected at different rates. But if CP symmetry is maximally violated, in other words, if the seesaw is tilted fully toward more neutrino oscillations and fewer antineutrino oscillations, then 27 electron neutrinos and 6 electron antineutrinos should show up in Kamioka. The actual numbers were even more skewed than this. Tanaka says his team observed 32 electron neutrino candidates and 4 electron antineutrino candidates. With so few total events, it's too soon to know whether the apparent tilt of the seesaw, signifying a large amount of CP violation, is real or a statistical oddity. But two other new hints of CP violation strengthen the case. The newly running NOVA experiment generates a beam of muon neutrinos in Illinois and measures electron neutrinos in Minnesota. They found a large number of these oscillations, again suggesting that the seesaw may be tilted in favor of neutrino oscillations and away from antineutrino oscillations. Also, researchers at the Super Kamiokande Observatory detected a similar enhancement of electron neutrinos coming from Earth's atmosphere. Volley, who presented NOVA's new results this month in London, urged caution. Even when the T2K and NOVA results are combined, their statistical significance remains at a low level known as 2 sigma. This means there's still a 5% chance the apparent deviation from CP symmetry is a random fluke. Volley says the results do give her hope that finding CP violation in neutrino oscillations won't be as hard as many feared it would be, but she said we aren't there yet. If CP violation among neutrinos is real and as large as it currently seems, then the evidence will slowly strengthen in the coming years. T2K's signal could reach 3 sigma significance by the mid-2020s. Peter Shanahan, a NOVA spokesperson, says it's a very exciting time as they look forward to more data from both experiments. Physicists don't know exactly how CP violation among the light neutrinos would translate into CP violating decays of the heavy set in the early universe, but the findings by T2K and NOVA will motivate them to figure this out. NYU physicist Neil Weiner says, if we're starting to see CP violation in the neutrino sector, it's certainly a critical result. That was a recap of Natalie Wolchover's story, Neutrino's Hint of Matter-Antimatter Rift. You're listening to Quantum Magazine's podcast. I'm Karen Chikurji. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to leave a review in iTunes. For news, interviews, graphics, and more, visit quantummagazine.org.